Hello, I'm Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech. This is the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Our podcast uses an interview format with industry and academic leaders and is intended for analytics-interested business professionals from the U.S. and beyond. Thank you again for listening to the Analytics Buzz. With us today, we have Dwight Specht, and we're talking about designing successful dashboards. Welcome to the Analytics Buzz, Dwight. Thank you, Beverly. Happy to be here. Yay. Um, and you traveled way far from Buckhead. I did. It uh, was miles or not, really. Really, like three. Yeah. So tell us about um, your current role and some of your background. So I work for an amazing company called North Highland Worldwide Consulting. I'm their VP of Data Analytics. And uh, our company is very well respected in the industry for solving three domain problems for customers. Customer experience, the improvement of that and the interactions with your customers. Performance improvement, which really is operational and organizational excellence. Digital and tech, helping the CIO's office transform itself to a digital platform. Mm -hmm. And then um, transformational change, those major inflection points in a business, like, for example, Mm M&A, where a business needs incremental help to understand how to navigate that inflection point. Cool. What have you done besides North Island? I have a long time history inside the Microsoft ecosystem, working with uh, Microsoft, uh, essentially started my career with Microsoft SQL Server, mm-hmm. went through software development, and then eventually into BI technology stack and analytics around that. Okay, awesome. So you've been kind of in the same world for a long time. I have. Awesome. Yeah, and thank uh, you for mentioning long time. I just feel so young, <laughs> so and, young and youthful energetic now. Here, in, here on our college campus. Um, yeah, and thank you for being an executive council member. You've, um, you and I have been on uh, co-presentations together uh, a couple times and uh, talked you into talking to my class and conducting a project. So um, Dwight's have. been a very good partner for and us. And we rocked everyone. Of course you did. Yes. So we'll start our um, discussion on designing successful dashboards with uh, the first kind of level set sort of question, which is, what the heck is a dashboard? Are we just talking, is this a tool discussion, or what's the human component of this whole thing? Like, what what do we mean when we say dashboard? Well, it's a great question, and obviously people, process, and technology are all going to enter into it. But frankly, the technology is a bit of an afterthought. Everybody starts there. Mm-hmm. Hey, should I do dashboards in Tableau, or... Should I do them in MicroStrategy or Click or Domo or Yellowfin? But that's not the challenge. The challenge really is in how the business understands the purpose behind what the dashboard's intended to serve Mm -hmm. and uh, what to put in it, how to design it, how to get at the data. Mm -hmm. The technology is, frankly, easy. It's very mature today. So the technology side is sort of the afterthought. But what what actually is it? When I think about a dashboard, first thing that comes to mind is my car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's a good point because I think it's a widely overused term. Mm -hmm. Um, And people will use that term dashboard to describe everything from simple reporting coming out of, say, a ERP system, Mm -hmm. you know, a list of sales transactions, to something very aggregated and summarized for a board presentation. But really in this context, a dashboard is an information asset, Mm -hmm. highly visual in nature, that's designed to support a specific business purpose. Uh Okay. So a visual information asset to support a business purpose. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and that, great. that purpose for me is usually pretty tactical. It's to support a weekly meeting, a monthly review, a board meeting, mm-hmm. um, any time where you're trying to get either a, often a, an impression of what's happened in the past, so 
descriptive intelligence. Mm -hmm. But now, fortunately, with the way um, the industry is trended with predictive analysis, a lot of that can be embedded into dashboards as well. Mm -hmm. So now we're beginning to see what was historically a descriptive intelligence tool mm -hmm. transform itself into both a descriptive and predictive tool. So it's not all looking in the rear view anymore. That's correct. It's, okay. it's beginning to say what happened and what's likely to happen in the future. Some of the uses you mentioned um, sound like they could really impact the business. So mm -hmm. why is it important? Because we're going to talk about some of the pitfalls, but why is it important to get this right anyway? Well, you're effectively using this as a tool to communicate your story, mm -hmm. your success, your failure, your challenges. And if you don't get it right, you run the risk of establishing a sense of mistrust with your business partners with whom you're trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. And that mistrust can be created quite accidentally, mm -hmm. um, either through not getting the right data in or not validating the data or just presenting it incorrectly. Mm -hmm. So it's critically important that you get it right. Um, and really, as we talk about this, you're going to hear this recurring theme of stay simple, get it right, and mm -hmm. improve. Got it. Yeah. Um, I'm more on the modeling side than the mm -hmm. descriptive side, but we have similar kinds of you know concerns is that if we don't get it right, we form this mistrust. And it sounds like you're saying um, parallel is that not only could they mistrust the individual, they could actually mistrust the whole system and the whole discipline Sure. and say, well, it's all just, um, you know, inaccurate or not, not true altogether. Mm -hmm. What about um, the possibility of giving wrong information and then they go and make some kind of decision? Have you seen? Well, we, we actually see that almost every day. I wow. mean, if you go back over the last 10 years mm -hmm. and look at some of the major um, financial reporting scandals we've had, mm -hmm. I, I know this is a bit outside of the realm of dashboards, but almost, uh, not almost all, but uh, several of them were caused by Excel being used as a financial, as a data accumulation storage and reporting tool. Mm hmm and so people were depending on these. They were critical to the business, and then they find out their calculations were wrong. Mm. So we face this challenge every single day. Mm -hmm. And if you are trying to tell the story of what the business has done and what it's likely to do, mm -hmm. that story has to be accurate. And um, that's why if you get it wrong, it is so negatively impactful. Right. So it would almost be like uh, someone coming to a, a, a ship captain and saying, hey, there's an iceberg ahead. We have to turn the entire ship with all these people in this direction. And if that information is not even accurate, he's just moved the entire company slash ship. That is correct, which is costly. Even more concerning would be if you actually say, no, we got to turn the ship, but the iceberg is on the right. Yeah. And you've turned into it. Right, right, right. Good. Okay, so it's important that we get this right. Mm -hmm. So there are some pitfalls that I bet you have seen over time, and it's uh, we were talking earlier that you kind of bucketed them into three different areas: the story, the data, and then design. So let's unpack those. Let's start with the the story. I think that one's going to be my favorite. Yeah. So the way these come up often is either you decide as a leader of an organization that you need a dashboard, mm -hmm. and it usually comes out. I need a dashboard to show me and fill in the blank, whatever mm. that is. Just like an individual, just like, hey, give me a dashboard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and especially as a new leader coming in, if you have inadequate reporting or if you're an existing leader and you're taking on a new business line or you just don't have good information about how your business is running, the inclination is to say, look, I need a dashboard that shows me my quarterly results or I need a dashboard to go in and show what the last initiative did when I talked to the board. Yeah. So you're always 
the implication here is that you're asking for a story to be told in the form of a dashboard. Mm -hmm. But people don't get the story right. Mm. And there's really three components to this. The first one is you don't fully understand the purpose for the dashboard. Mm -hmm. So are you, it, it's going to support something. What is it supposed to support? Is it a daily stand-up meeting? Mm -hmm. Is it a weekly financial review? Is it a weekly manager's meeting? Is it a board meeting? What is the purpose built uh, what is the purpose built for that dashboard? Right. And the individual might not recognize the importance of communicating that, but it sounds like it's up to the analyst or the creator of the dashboard system to come back and say, like, dude, I really need to understand what you're going to do with this. That is correct. Okay. You've got to understand that purpose. Because understanding that purpose tells you what the metrics should be, how deep the level of detail should be, um, how much aggregation has to go on, how mm -hmm attractive and beautiful it needs to be from a visual appeal standpoint. It just informs everything about the construction of that. Mm -hmm. um, so understanding purpose is critical. Okay. Second, once you understand purpose, then you can understand what has to be measured in the context of the dashboard. So if you're doing this for a daily stand-up, and let's assume you're an agile shop, then one of the critical metrics may be burn down, right? Because that's you want to check that every single day as you're doing your, your sprint reviews. But if what you're doing is having a weekly tactical leadership team with your line managers, mm -hmm. burn down probably isn't relevant in that. What's probably relevant are things like sales revenue, headcount turnover, um, top 10 pipeline opportunities, things like that. Mm -hmm. So the purpose informs the metrics. Not the, the other way around. Not the other way around. Got it. And then the metrics have to be aligned with how the measurement for the business occurs and what the business strategy is. Mm -hmm. So at a very large level, if you're a sales team, some revenue around metrics and pipeline growth are going to be critical. Mm -hmm. They might not be critical on that dashboard mm -hmm. because it kind of depends on the purpose. If it's a weekly stand-up, probably the metric is going to be, did you get done what you committed to doing yesterday? Right. The weekly review may be, what closings did we have that were forecasted for this week? And more importantly, what didn't close that we forecasted? Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. And then the third one becomes, are you, um, are you targeting appropriately? Because the metrics in absence of a target are just useful, interesting points of mm -hmm. data, but they really don't inform. Got it. So every one of those metrics should have, for the time sequence, the target and the trend. Got it. Right. Okay. So why, the purpose, it sounds like you're saying the purpose should really drive everything. It does. I think maybe, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, because like I said, I'm, I have a lot of respect for the, the reporting kind of BI world, but I've been more on the modeling side. Um, but it sounds like the, um, the gap might happen when an individual comes to an analyst and performs an order-taking kind of initiative and says, hey, I'm looking for this, this, and this to this level of tactical um, detail. And... It sounds like that needs to turn around and shift into a more consultative conversation as opposed to order taking. Does that make sense? Brilliantly said. Yeah. If someone comes to you as an analyst, someone comes to you and says, I need a sales dashboard showing drill down details and sales by region and salesperson. Mm -hmm. Conceptually speaking, all right, I'll throw a bunch of um, pie charts or line charts or bar charts out that show all that information. Right, right. But why? But why? I mean, do you need to measure against their annual sales compensation targets? Who are you talking to? Right. What conversations are you having? Or is, is this just for you or is it going to a different audience? Without all of that in there, the analyst who's going to build this just has no clue what to build. Got it. Okay. Okay. Cool. 
The the second bucket you mentioned was the data. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about some of the pitfalls you're seeing there and how we fix it. Yeah, well, with all good intention, you can ask for a dashboard mm-hmm. and you can go through the purpose exercise, get the right metrics and get the right targets. But at a very fundamental level, if you don't have the data to generate it, then you've got a bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always get the data, and certainly we've seen millions of man hours invested in Excel as a data collection tool mm-hmm. that people then put graphics and visuals over the top of. But that becomes a very laborious process and a very expensive one in terms of human capital. So the first thing you need to do is do we actually have the data to support these metrics and these targets, and can we automate them into a dashboard? Got it. And it's actually a very simple, non-technical exercise. There are business applications you use every day mm-hmm. where that data is either automatically generated or hand-keyed or some report comes off that you would then export and aggregate. Mm-hmm. Go back to the application, find the window, find the field, document it, tie that back in the documentation of the metric you want to report on. Mm-hmm. Once you're done, you've got the entire, essentially, business architecture of what you need and where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. At that point, it becomes a technical exercise for can you get at it. Mm-hmm. And the can you get at it then becomes a data access issue, which mm-hmm. could be security, it could be physical access, um, it could be licensing, there's a lot of obstacles. That you really have to get to the essentially to the IT team mm-hmm. to work with. Now you're dealing with governance and structure and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and uh, of course, especially in certain environments like healthcare and retail, mm-hmm. um, education, public sector, access to that data is very sensitive because there's a good deal of PII, mm-hmm. personally identifiable information in it. So they are quite naturally concerned with should you be getting at this or not. Yeah. And then some cultures just have, some companies just have a culture of you only get what we give you, and then it's a huge burden to get at it. They just work in a very secured environment as opposed to it's generally open for people to discover unless it's sensitive. So ah, gotcha. you, you've got to take that into account. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is can you trust the data? Yeah. Um, it, do you have a formalized data governance program in place that ensures data quality in that? Can you see in one data set a customer that in another data set that same customer is reflected differently. Mm -hmm. If so, you're going to have a bigger challenge. And is the underlying data accurate? Do you see for the same period, for the same product category, a sales and cost of goods sold number that's the same as that data where it resides in a different system? Mm -hmm. And is that the same as what finance reports on? So all of those issues have to be brought into play. Right. You can some of that is user-based, though, too, right? Because they might say, um, like in healthcare, I pulled something on terminal patients, and it didn't match that guy's number. And maybe that guy pulled cancer patients, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily the same group. And what is the definition of terminal? Exactly. Right. So there's so, some user type of – I would imagine that's a cultural shift. It is, and this is also one of the reasons we suggest you start small as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to boil the ocean. Got if you it. just identify the two or three key metrics, report and audit on those, that's a much faster process than trying to aggregate and display – a hundred things and report and audit them. Because if you, the first time you present this information back to people as here are my results or here's what we have to make the decision on, I guarantee you there's someone in the room that no matter what you do is going to look at a number and go, I don't believe that number. Mm. And if you can support it by saying, well, the source of the data was our internal SAP system, our internal SFDC, and the data has been validated by our data governance committee, it shuts down the conversation. Right. But if you just say, well, my analyst pulled it together and I thought it was right, then the argument is no longer around the business decision. It's about your process for aggregating the data. Mm-hmm. And I see that frequently. Wow. So uh, start small. Uh, remember that that garbage in, garbage out is always going to be a thing. So mm-hmm. clean your stinking data and, and develop some kind of centralized 
um, you know, decide on the access. Be deliberate about it. So if you want to have everybody access except for a few key elements that are considered sensitive, then operate in that way or vice versa. But either way, right. make it deliberate. Make a decision. Yeah. And I will say, if you're going to be wrong about your data, be wrong the same way everyone else is. Ah, consistency. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then the third bucket on pitfalls and how to fix them is on the de design side. I think this is super interesting, especially my right brain is just riding along, you know, just hanging out for the ride. It's all left brain for me. So for um, for others to be able to look at something and go, oh, well, this is a creative way of, of displaying it. Mm -hmm. uh, what are we seeing over here? Because that does not come naturally to me. Yeah. And there's there's a couple of pretty strong design guidelines you can use. First, I, don't, I always refer people back to the work of Edward Tufte. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe the book name is Visualizing Quantitative Information. Mm -hmm. It's pretty old school. It's been around for, wow, 20, 25 yeah, years. Yeah, still relevant, though. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, but it's a phenomenal book. Um, and there are some beautiful guidelines in there about use of color, use of white space, things like that. So I'd, I'd recommend that as a starting point for okay. anybody. Okay. And you re you referenced that when you were teaching our executive education program for us. Too, yeah, right? I'm like probably Tufty's biggest fan. I'm fairly <laughs> certain every time I speak, some are his sales. His name his, comes his, up. <laughs> yeah, well, the Amazon sales for the book go way up. So, yeah. Because I have that kind of social pull. <laughs> but um, I think that's a good place to start. Uh -huh. And then whatever design tool you're going to use, um, whether it's Excel or Tableau or MicroStrategy, there's communities built up around this where they can talk about best practice. So leverage those communities. Yeah, but the, the things that I see are um, too much information, too extravagant use of color or inconsistent use of color, mm. um, and... Um, too much use of visual elements that are meaningless. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, 3D bar charts. Mm -hmm. 3D is just a distraction. Never use it. Um, highlights that you've seen these where there's an object that looks like there's a light shining on it, mm -hmm. right, in one spot. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a 3D effect. Too. Flat, muted colors consistently applied is best mm -hmm. because that's how the human eye consumes it. Right. So, so you're going to do red and blue. That should mean something. It should. Okay. Don't don't use color just to use it. Mm -hmm. And if there is color used, there should be an easy-to-find legend that explains the use of that color and what it means. Right. And then use it consistently. So if, if red is always going to be the northwest unit, make red northwest unit everywhere and don't use red for everything else, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Northwest unit being a, an example business unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then give people a guided path. And what I'm talking about here is when someone looks at a dashboard, the visual impact should be, I know exactly what I'm looking at. I know why I'm looking at it. I know where we are and where we should be based on the time series involved. So mm -hmm. I know I'm looking at this month's sales, and I'm seeing it year-to-date, and I see the year-to-date target. I should immediately know what the trend is. So I know we're above target and we're in a trend to continue. We're in a trend for the year above target or a trend for the month above target, right, mm -hmm. over the prior month. That's immediate good information because I have the actual data, I have the context, and I, I know where I position based on overall targeting. Yeah. Um, and then if we are off target or, or there is negative news, you have to give people a guided path to the solution. Mm -hmm. You hear people talk about drill downs. Essentially, sales is off. I want to drill down to a, a lower level of detail to find out where my variances are mm -hmm. and then be able to act on those. So, for example, if you're a company that racks up revenue based on, say, sales revenue out of individual large customer accounts, mm -hmm. your next layer drill down should show large accounts, and it should stack rank them based on how far out they are from target. So the, the offenders are at the very top. Mm -hmm. And then if someone wants to say, this account, who do I call? 
you've got to recognize that the account owner name should be there in that more detailed display. So they go, oh, well, that's Dwight Specht. He's got the problem. I'm going to call him mm-hmm. and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some new tools that allow collaboration inside the tool. Yeah. So as an account owner, I could actually type notes so someone could see that in advance. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Domo has done a pretty good job with that. Mm-hmm. But there are other tools also developing that same degree of functionality. Um, it sounds like the user, him or herself, would be able to help in that in that function a great deal. How yeah. much conversation happens as far as like design? Do you guys wow, get that's feedback? A, that's a phenomenal question. The one big failure you can make here is to go and t- dump hours and hours and hours of design effort into it and then do a big reveal. That mm-hmm. almost always fails. Mm-hmm. You have to think of this as a very agile process. I'm using agile in that software development sense. Mm-hmm. Iterative, start small, show something, you know, get feedback, integrate it, do the next thing, show them, get the feedback, integrate it. You'll reach a point where that cycle tails off and you're effectively done. Mm-hmm. But there's no, like, clean, done, done. Point. Right, right. It's always kind of fluid. Yeah. Did yeah. you like my use of the double done? I did. I yeah. like the done, done. <laughs> sounded really professional just yeah, as I no, said. I, I say, how often do you do, do? I say do, do all the time. So that's okay. Um, and we talk about mass personalization in many other contexts. Um I've talked to managers of the same level over the same kind of, you know, um, responsibility, but maybe they're in different divisions using the same report. And one guy will say, oh, yeah, I just pulled this number, this number, and this number. And then some other guy has the exact same report, and he only pulls three numbers. Mm -hmm. Do you see us getting to a mass personalization, you know, down to the individual level at some point with these sorts of um, dashboards? Well, certainly that's possible to a pretty great degree today. The... um the challenge with that is mass personalization also implies um, several different versions of the truth, yes. potentially an unlimited number of ones. Right. So if you're governing the data source and you're publishing that through a metadata layer that's publicly accessible, mm-hmm. so you have if, – if two people make the same selections on the data source, they'll get the same result. That's a good starting place. Mm-hmm. Then after that um, – It's totally okay, and we do see people kind of personalizing what data they're going to pull out. Mm -hmm. But there are certain – I guess the best way to put it is this. There are different use cases for that dashboard. Mm -hmm. There are some, and the majority of them, are to support repetitive information delivery. Got it. It's going to be emailed. It's going to be displayed in a presentation. It's going to be pushed somehow. Right. right? Those – your personalization should be around what you – need to see to run your business unit. Okay. But they shouldn't really be personalized in terms of content. That should be fairly standardized. Yeah. Not because you want to remove anyone's creativity, but because if you see the same dashboard every single day and everybody else gets something similar, yeah. then if you move jobs or someone comes into your job and the cost of maintaining it all becomes lower, but everybody's got that consistent visual view. Uh, so just like at a micro level inside the dashboard, you want consistent visualization. Mm-hmm. The format across the enterprise ought to be relatively similar so the data elements are more easily picked out. Right, and you can talk about it, um, right. different types of key metrics. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, there are always ad hoc questions. So sure. now this goes into self-service BI. Uh, so if someone says, gosh, I don't get this piece of information, but I need to know it because we've got a new business initiative, Yeah. then letting them explore the data is perfect. And right. it's, it's much less expensive to let them in to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, those are sort of like the the sprinklings you might add on top of something. It could be. But they still need to have a base. Yeah. I got it. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not against personalization at all. Personalization just has to be taken into context of serving um, this rather consistent, repetitive need. Got it. 
So in our um, last couple of minutes, um, people are getting at the end of their drive time. In the last couple of minutes, can you share with us how how can you tell when a company has um, gotten it right? Like, how, what's some great examples? What do you see? How does this manifest? Well, um, I'm not sure that you get it right by just going out and doing dashboards. Mm-hmm. You get it right by creating a culture around data-driven decision-making mm-hmm. and by having a system of processes and people and tools that ensure the data and the information delivered from it are accurate. Mm-hmm. And then that has manifested itself in the dashboard. So where you see organizations that get it right, mm-hmm. it's they've gotten it essentially kind of all right. And the way you know them is when they meet, they look at the data and they, they can trust it implicitly. In a 30-minute meeting, there isn't 20 minutes of discussion around whether the numbers are right or not. It's 20 minutes of discussion on what are we going to do and are we on target. Got does it. that make sense? It does. If I were to take that and some of the other um, pieces that you've said throughout this interview, um, these are the five areas that, that I summarize. So tell me what maybe I'm wrong on or what needs to be corrected and removed or added to. Um, how you can tell that a company really has it right is – Trust. You use that word trust mm-hmm. a couple of times, so I thought that was interesting. Um, second is we talk, when we were talking about the order taking versus the consultative, if you start to see a transition and the, they're coming to you for advice, mm-hmm. you know, in consultation, not, you know, not just here's what I need you to do and here's what I need you to bring to me. Um, third, well, this one actually ties in very similarly, is they approach the request differently. So it seems like over time, if you keep coming back to them and saying, dude, I need to understand why, I need to understand how you're going to use this, maybe the request morphs from one of tactical, go give me data at three, four, and five, to one of here's what I'm going to do, here's how I'm going to use it, this is what it looks like, you know, this is what I'm hoping it looks like. So maybe the form of the request itself starts to take a different life. And then four, you didn't really say this exactly, but I read between the lines that when your stakeholders ask you to have a seat at the table and they want to they want to know does this seem right like we're using your results can you help us make sure that this is right it seems like that would be a sign for success and most probably the most importantly which is um, you start seeing data inspired decision making you know that they're they're not just golden gutting it they're looking at what what is the data telling us and how are we going to make a decision based on that yeah i think you summarized that brilliantly oh thank you <laughs> you said it i just summarized it <laughs> what final piece of advice would you give to a data and analytics professional looking to build an awesome dashboarding system gosh there's so many um, but i think the real one is just you've got it, everything drives off purpose and accuracy. Mm -hmm. So understand why you're producing it and make sure what it contains is accurate. It even doesn't need to be particularly well designed or pretty Mm -hmm. if it's accurate and you, uh, and it's targeted for purpose. If it meets the objective and it's right, then you're, you're way ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. You're right on target. Awesome. Thanks for being on the show, Dwight. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to The Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Please connect with the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech via our website. And join my network on LinkedIn, Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center. Thanks again and have a great data set.